and welcome to the inaugural episode of Combos with Kamal. I'll be your host, Kamal Karimi, and every week we'll be talking to incredible, interesting guests about sports, music, movies, TV shows, video games, and everything else that comes to mind. For our first show, we have a couple of amazing guests, two great friends of mine, Josh LeBay and Omar Tapsh. So our first guest, Omar Tapsh, uh, I definitely, uh, you're a friend of my brother's, and we, uh, we met that way. But um, definitely one of my brothers in another way oh, as well, from another brother, from another mother. Um, Josh, very similar situation. You met my brother a lot earlier on, but um, another brother from another mother. So um, Yeah, we've known each other now for 14 years, Kamal. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, that's longer than yeah, any than a lot of my no, close friends. 15 years. Yeah, I mean, since we got here, pretty much. You were one of the first people that like made friends with my brother, and I remember that came to our house. As far as other World people. Cup 06. Right. All summer I was here. Right, exactly. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, that being said, let's move into uh, a little bit of topics. We, we are uh, living in a little bit of a weird time right now, undoubtedly. Um, what have you guys been up to during your quarantine just before well, we start off? Like everyone else, just trying to stay healthy and keep everyone else around me safe. So, yeah, just passing time any way we can. And it's, it's we should just be trying to have fun. So what have you been doing for passing time? Just playing video games, or what are you doing? Oh, I Reading? play my fair share of video games, read some books, uh, watch old sports highlights. Okay, what uh, what game have you been playing? Any any games? We've really been into NBA 2K20, Okay. because uh, the lack of basketball has me dying inside. So. For sure. I've been playing a lot of FIFA for that same reason, yeah. <laughs> Even though I hate the new FIFA, and I... I Drives me crazy. Yeah, I've been uh, too, I've been playing like crazy as well. Even the new Madden, right? Oh, like yeah. I, when the draft came around, I started playing Madden because I was getting into that mood. Anything to get the fix. Yeah, I only exactly. care about the NFL during the draft. Really? The draft fascinates me. It's very interesting. I, I, right? I, I'm so glued to the draft and these guys' stories. Well, just as some background, we're all we're all big soccer fans, so uh, that's probably the sport that we follow the most. Especially Josh, um, you're probably. That's. I mean, which other sport do you say would you would you say you follow? Probably well? basketball. Basketball. Yeah. yeah, I watch a lot of ball. True. So uh, so as you were saying though, right? So I mean, the draft is also really interesting because it's so unique to what, um, to uh, to you North American sports. You know. Totally. But I think what what's really cool about the NFL draft in particular is that unlike in let's say hockey or basketball, by the time you get into the middle of the second draft, these people are kind of irrelevant. I mean, I don't want to say that they're not good players, but. Mm-hmm. In the NFL, because you have a bazillion positions on every so team, deep. you could draft a superstar in the third round. And so there's just so much cool stuff. And, and and also, college football is by far, in my opinion, even though I like March Madness and all that kind of stuff, college football is like the coolest, most all-American kind of college sport. True. So watching all these guys come out of whatever the big program Probably the Ohio, biggest fan base as far as totally. culture. And like you look, you yeah. look at these guys playing like... Alabama or Oklahoma or Wisconsin or whatever and these stadiums are like completely sold out yeah. and then they go to like Detroit where they get like a half of the stadium filled it's true. I think they have like a better time in the in the NCAA in, in many ways I think a lot of I think a lot of players would say that the NCAA is like kind of their glory days and they really sure. they really loved it the most because it's, it's kind of that camaraderie in there sure. as well right and also in, in like as much as the NCAA is super exploitative <laughs> Like super exploitative, there is a sort of charm to the spirit of like amateur sports. They're Absolutely. not doing it for money. Yeah. Obviously, they should be being paid. I I fully believe that they should be. Well, they they will start now with some of the sponsorships. Some of the stuff, yeah, yeah. yeah. and they should be completely insured. I think that's not even negotiable. Like mm-hmm. if you play for a program and you bring in 
millions or thousands, it doesn't matter, and you do your knee in and that's your career, you should you should have that um, surgery covered. You should have your recovery covered. Yeah, some protection. Yeah. yeah, that blows my mind. But anyways, I think it, the fact that they're still playing for like school pride and, mm-hmm. and like... Yeah, like camaraderie. I think I, I it's, love it's that. a culture we gotta keep. I think. For sure, and that's that's one of the interesting things. Going back to what you were saying about the draft and in the NFL draft being unique, is that the positions, right? Like you were saying, yeah, right? Yeah. There, there's so many positions that you can draft uh, into your team, as opposed to a sport like the uh, the NBA or in the MLB, where you're drafting players, but a lot of times you're just trying to draft the best player, right? The best yeah. player that has the best all around qualities or the quality to bring to your team. Right, right, in, in certain cases in the MLB and NBA, but with the NFL, you're by you're drafting specific players, and some of them will go work well, but some of them won't work out, and and that's the case with every draft. But in the NFL, it's so dire because some of those positions are so important for the teams to fill out. Yeah. you know, for example, I'm a I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan, and we drafted a cornerback first round, and a lot of Falcons fans were upset with the decision to uh, to draft that corner, but. Uh, based on his play in the uh, national championship game, where he let a few plays go, big plays go. But, but did that's the, the thing. Need a they corner? needed a corner, and I see. and the thing is, they there was corners being taken off the board immediately, right. and and that was the concern with the fact. I mean, wasn't exactly. the second overall pick a corner? Uh, I think Jeff, the third. Uh, the third. Oh yeah, Chase right. Young was second. Chase Young was overall. second, and yeah. then Jeff. I can't remember his last yeah. name. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no. It, Nigerian. It, it's one of those things, right? It's just like uh, it, it, it's. It's tough for teams to be able to fill that role, and the draft is so insane because it's not only the player's future that's so important, it's also his future on the team. Totally. He's such an important piece for that team if he's a first or second round pick. I think another... if you're a third or fourth and going into seventh round, you don't have that expectation, right? So you kind of have, you go into training camp with that kind of chip on your shoulder to show, I can do what I want. You know, I have that ability to make that practice squad or be able to make a third or second or even first string spot. And it's, it's kind of cool to see that in the NFL, whereas in the NBA, you don't really have a chance if you're not in that top five, right? Like right. You, you might get some sub, sub spots, but if you don't grow in that sub position or in that bench position, it struggles. I feel like in the NBA now, if you're not a lottery pick, you're probably going to the G League. True. Like if you get picked... Let's say like let's not even lottery because lottery is what top thirteen. Well, I would say I would say the quality is getting better though. Better, yeah. I agree. But let's say the twentieth pick and down. So the last ten picks of the first round and then the entire second round. Sure. You're not making the squad immediately. Not immediately. For sure, there's definitely examples of players who can do that. Sure, there's the exceptions, exceptions to the rules, to the rules yeah. always. But I, I definitely agree with you in that. The in the NBA, it's so competitive and the quality is so high already. With right. so few roster spots, anyways. I mean, I think it's the smallest professional league in North yeah, America in probably. terms of numbers. I saw a documentary once. You know those sort of all access documentaries where they follow a team through the season. Yeah. So it was the last season where the SuperSonics were in Seattle, and they were talking a lot to Ray Allen, and people ask him all the time, like, oh. You know, you seem to be such an obsessive professional. You're always in the gym. You're always taking shots. You're always working out. And he goes, you know, you have to remember, like, in terms of professional sports, I'm part of the most elite group of athletes in North America because we're the smallest league. Right. You look at the MLB or the NBA or the even the NHL to an extent. Yeah. Um, I would argue maybe individual sports kind of are kind of battle that. Sure. But, but, but let's just talk about the four, the four big As far leagues. as team sports, I, I could totally, totally agree. And he's like, you know, guys... I, I've seen super talented guys not make the NBA because there's just not the room. 
And I think that's crazy. And then, mm-hmm. you know, like, if you contrast it back to football again, I, I like American football, but I'm very casual in the way I watch it. So, obviously, when you're a casual fan, you're attracted to the names that are kind of, like, flashy and kind of, like, marketable. So, I, I, I'm always, like, looking at receivers because they're always getting, like, Big offense. So much, plays. yeah, right. and, and so much media right. attention. They're, they're flashy, yeah. right? Like, uh, the Odell, Odell, Odell Beckham or, yeah. or those kind of guys. And so when I was looking at the draft, there was like these guys like C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, what's going on? It's like the 15th pick. And mm-hmm. how come they haven't gone to all these linemen that I've never even heard of in my life that are obviously incredible players right, sure. and are gonna going to walk onto a going. team? Yeah, yeah they're going to walk onto a team and have a spot immediately. But it was interesting because I've never heard of them in my life. Right. And that's, a, what's, that's actually what's so cool about fo- uh, American football is For like sure. the positions are so hyper-specialized that it's almost like you're watching two different games, like offense, right. defense, special teams. A lot teams. of unsung heroes. Completely. Definitely. And a lot of the people that know a lot about college football, I mean, I have a couple of buddies that keep up with it. And it's just insane to me because there's so many teams, there's so many talents. And, I mean, that's why scouts get paid so much, right? I mean... Being able to keep up with that much talent and being able to pick out that much, which is the best, becomes so difficult in a sport like the NFL, where a lot of the attention goes on players like the quarterback or the or the star positions, right? And I mean, I think that's very blatant in things like um, Heisman Trophy chases or or MVP chases, right? I, I, we were talking about this in one of our group chats, Omar, with, with our NFL group chat, and uh, I mean, it's it, it just kind of annoys me that. Uh, you can't be an MVP in the NFL if you're not a quarterback. I agree. You know, it's just it just it's doesn't so really rare. it doesn't seem right to me that there's so many teams that like for example Von Miller with the Denver Broncos. I mean, they right. didn't end up winning that Super Bowl. The last the last but, defensive MVP that we saw in the NFL was Lawrence Taylor. Exactly right, and and, and, and ages ago. the last non QB was who Adrian Peterson. Right, I think as a so, running yeah. back, and he so, had right. to get two thousand yards. Which, right, yeah. it's just like you need to be able to get two thousand yards. Two two busted up knees year as well. Uh, it might have been, been the year after. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyways, but yeah. It, it's just that, it, it's just insane to me that like, and that's the crazy thing about the NFL draft. Going back to that point is that being able to pick out and being able to see the qualities in all those players and like decipher which ones are better than the other, and the combine and the and the the way that they scout all the plays throughout college and say that's not the type of scheme that's gonna fit with our scheme, right? And it's just like. It's insane to me how much detail goes into the scouting process before the draft, right? You know what I, th- I thought, to kind of change the subject a little bit? For sure, go ahead. What I thought was really interesting about this year's NFL draft is, as I was watching it, I was also... Well, I wasn't watching it. Well, it was definitely really unique. Well, that was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't watching the live feed of all, yeah. like, the GMs in their, like, houses. And stuff. <laughs> I didn't watch that. I just kind of kept up with it. It was on, very on Twitter, it was, like, or Instagram, or whatever, like, first pick, second pick, whatever. But what I thought was really interesting is that, like, social media outlets became really important this year because you were glued to them. You were glued to Instagram and Twitter to find out who your team picked and where your favorite player went or whatever. And a lot of people brought up something that I've thought about kind of casually but not really to this extent is the way that people cover players coming into the NFL that are African-American versus white players coming into the NFL. And... Any time they talk about the interesting background of a young man who's white, they might talk about the trials and tribulations that he had, like, oh, you know, mom had breast cancer, which is tough, and, you know, he had to overcome, and it, it made him mature a lot. 
and that is difficult. That is an interesting story. But then they always talk about these, uh, not obviously not all African-American players, but a lot of these African-American players that maybe come from a sort of disparate situation, less privileged, they always bring up in, in on ESPN or whatever it may be, oh, you know, uncle was in jail for murder or brother, uh, you know, sold drugs. And, you know, this player had to overcome so much. And it's like, why on the happiest day of their life do you have to shout to the entire world the kind of unsavory things. Moments, yeah. It's enough to say, you know, this person is very mature. They've gone through difficulties in their life. I think in terms, not only in the terms of play, but also character, this is a great pick. And that but, would bring the, a lot of great things to a team. You, I, can, you can highlight the good that that brings. I completely agree. But I, I, I've seen a lot of things this year, which I think is really positive from a lot of commentators online, particularly African-American commentators that are saying, you have we have to challenge how exploitative and how... Uh, like, it's almost like you were painting these caricatures. Like, oh, all these players that we pick to the NBA, to the NFL, they would have been, you know, criminals had we not given them this chance. And it's almost like this, like, weird white savior thing. Yeah. Like, oh, look at us. Uplifting. That's we're true. giving yeah. this guy... That's an interesting perspective on that. I, I definitely agree. Like, I, I did watch that draft, and there was... I, I can't remember ex- ex- specific examples, but no, you're exactly I. right. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right, because I remember sitting there watching it, and I was just like, this feels a little bit strange, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I noticed there was a weird pattern going on as far as how they actually uh, presented the draft picks, and I was just like, this is, this is a little bit unusual. Mm-hmm. But I, I think what you were saying is is exactly right. And, and I think the, the problem is that um, when it comes to presenting, and it's trying to draw in the audience, right? Totally, it's, it's, totally. It's all the entirely, it's, it's all entirely trying to bring in the audience and trying to um, attract people to keep watching and keep hearing about all these stories, right? Totally. And it's, and it's great to hear, and it's important to hear the, how much struggle and how much hard work these people put in in order to get to the point they're at. But at a certain point, it becomes repetitive. And that repeti- rep- repeti- repetition doesn't really mean that much it kind of takes away a lot of the and meaning. i also think that that it repetition it doesn't it takes a lot of the meaning out of what right. that meaning really is because you're saying you're saying every single player is doing going through this but what you what you need to point out is is what they're going through in in college right and like in as far as their playing is concerned i also think it's really interesting how people are like that repetition really shows the way we think about young black athletes and young white athletes you know what i mean i don't think and this is just my opinion at this point but i don't think that if i if let's just say joe burrow if joe burrow's dad went to jail when he was a teenager for uh, i don't know tax evasion i don't think they would bring that up you know what i mean i think they would be kind of quiet about that that's something that's like a private matter right but but it won't be viewed as the same it, I, I this is this is one of the things, though. I it's think not, it doesn't have the same impact as, as yeah. That, that like so and so grew up in South Central Los Angeles, and so I mean Kawhi Leonard. They won't stop talking about how Kawhi yeah. Leonard saw his father shot in a in right. a drive by shooting. It's tragic. It's interesting. It makes Kawhi Leonard part of who he is, mm-hmm. but it also paints this picture of like this person was raised around crime. This person comes from poverty, and it's like that overfixation with that. In, in America, particularly with people of color in America, and not just white people, Hispanic people and and other people of color, but I don't know. I just I just thought it was good that that there was a lot of conversation on social media this year. It was quite constructive, and I hope that 
outlets like ESPN or CBS or whatever, NBC, whoever, yeah. look at that and go, oh, you know what? Maybe we're talking about these athletes in a right. bit of a sort of unhelpful stereotype. Yeah, I've right. always I've always felt the draft night and the draft show is a little bit unusual, right? It's it's kind of this weird, so. super long, drawn out process, and it's like a lot of the I think a lot of the attention is placed on these kids. But that's the thing, right, is in order to make TV for them, they yeah. need to be able to have those stories and those yeah. ideas. It's, it's kind of like it's kind of like talent shows, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things like American Idol or American Got, America's Got Talent. They draw you in by having these kind of stories and these kind of heartfelt stories. And they're definitely important to hear about, but I think you're exactly right, right? It's, there's a limit. There's a, there's a threshold that you can reach. And, yeah. mm-hmm. and I think that once you pass that threshold, it's hard to be Diminishing able to... Diminishing returns. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, so, okay, moving on to a little bit of our favorite sport, uh, footy. Finally, I, I'm, I'm, I love to say the first sport back. Um, I mean, I guess you could say I guess you could say UFC yeah, was was back. back first because there was a few uh, UFC fights, a few big published, and uh, I don't know if you guys keep up with them, but I watched a couple of them. I did as well. Um, definitely very good. But uh, moving on to footy, which is definitely our favorite sport. Um, well, what's interesting is that footy came back, but when we talk about soccer coming back, we're talking about the Bundesliga. Right. No, we're talking about yeah. well, but a lot of other leagues came back a lot earlier. A lot of sort That's of like true. under like, the radar, under yeah, the radar leagues. like yeah. like the Bulgarian league, the Korean league, the Korean league, league right. or, or or the Croatian league. Now, full disclosure, I don't watch the yeah. Bulgarian league, Nor do I. but I did go here and there to see like on my I have an app called um, Live Score, right. and so I go and I was like, oh, what matches would have been today? Right. What what would have been today in Spain? Right. And I go and look, and then I go and I see there's some live games going on yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to myself, hang on a minute. <laughs> One second. Wait, that was like the the Belarusian league, right? The I, Belarusian league doesn't fall they under. Stop, they, they don't fall under FIFA. So they don't. They, no, they don't actually fall under FIFA. FIFA's oh, league. So what they did is they just kept playing out uh, with the entire crowds? time. I, I'm not sure. I don't think they had crowds, but they they were playing. I mean, I I have the same thing. I I just have the habit of constantly going to my completely my just to app, see what just on. to see what games are on in case there's something I wanted to watch, right? right. And and there's like a Belarusian league every single day, and I was just like, what what is going on? Like, how are they allowed? And Nicaragua was the same way. They're not a part of FIFA, so they're able to keep playing. That's so interesting. But when I when I say the comeback of footy, I do talk about obviously Bundesliga coming back last weekend, coming yeah. back again this weekend behind closed doors, and mainly I'm talking about leagues restarting the training. And yes, and kind of yes. something that I'm kind of calling reseason instead of preseason, but it's it's yeah. kind of what they're doing, right? It's they're coming back in in different ways and slowly beginning training regimes with smaller teams and and really spaced out training sessions. Um, and I think it's really interesting to see how different leagues are adapting to different protocols. You know, I think the German yeah. league did an incredible job of going into it. Well, and I think I think the, I think the Bundesliga did a great job. Mm-hmm. I think it was so well coordinated but i think that we've yet to see if it went well really because it's too soon if if it's now thursday if by week's end so tomorrow or saturday or even next week after the 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 second weekend of uh resume play goes on if there's a all of a sudden a spat of cases amongst the players and the staff in the bundesliga mm-hmm. then i think it'll have been a failure I think they'll say, right. people will condemn them and say, you've come back too early, all these people Risky were people. negative, all of a sudden they're all pe- testing positive, 
That means that somebody in there was positive and as much as you try and social distance in sport, soccer is a contact so sport. So then do you think that would have adverse effects on the other league? Absolutely. 100%. Yep. Absolutely. I think that if I think if the Bundesliga after let's say they played they played last weekend, they're playing the next round which I think is the 29th round of the season. If they play the 29th round of the season and all of a sudden there's a spike in positive cases in amongst German footballers or players who play in Germany, um then I think then I think team um leagues like uh the Premier League and I think La Liga, they'll have to say we can't. Right. We can't and I think they'll follow suit with the Eredivisie and the Scottish Premier League and they'll say, Okay, we're calling Liga. so much of it. Uh, so, uh, Liga as well. Wait, which one is that? French League? Oh Liga, yeah. oh, Liga. Yeah. sorry, I thought I said Liga. So much <laughs> of it is so dependent on what the health experts say. And it can be so sudden, like we mm-hmm. saw in, in Holland and France, where right. one day you're tracking towards a restart, but all of a sudden the numbers spike and the health minister calls off sport for months. Definitely. You have nothing you can do about it. Well, yeah, that's a, that's the thing, right? Is It all it's comes all down to the governing still. bodies above the governing bodies of football. Right? Yeah. So I think I think you guys are exactly right, but I but think I have one of the interesting so cautious points Cautious optimism is, is what I would say right for now. For sure. But one of the interesting points is uh, I was watching a uh, Premier League panel show, and they were talking about the uh, comeback and how they're doing the testing. And the reports came back that I think six players out of 748 tested or sorry six tested people positive. six people out of 748 tested tested positive and what they do with those players is they send them back immediately into hotel into quarantine situations so they're trying to be proactive about this and i think that was about three more than the bundesliga had so the bundesliga i think had three players after they tested all their staff and players so it, it's one of those things that like the the leagues are trying to be very proactive about it but is it too early? I think the Bundesliga will be the indicator, right? Is is will the Bundesliga have another spike, or will they be able to maintain a level that isn't too high above the statistics that are around the world? Acceptable levels, right? Yeah. And that's the thing, right? I think they have to be able to compare them to the statistics around the world. You hear six people in the Premier League, and it kind of scares you, but you hear six out of seven hundred and forty-eight. Right. And that kind of puts things into perspective, right? That's kind of the statistics you would almost expect. I, I think what's also really interesting about the decision for each individual league to come back is it's not just a sporting decision or a public health decision, but it's also a financial decision. Right. Like if you if you Absolutely. look league, Entirely. I think League One or League Two in England have already decided they won't come back, and they've decided that they're not doing relegations and they're not doing promotions and all this and that. But a big reason is that it. It's going to cost them approximately. I've I've heard approximately a hundred and forty thousand pounds to uh, for each round of tests, and for right. League Two teams yeah. with that's with their budget, that's not sustainable. Yeah. No, now, obviously, the, the Premier League is a different animal, and they could maybe sustain it, and that actually might be better for them because the losses that they would have for not continuing the season, financially speaking, right. would be greater than the losses right. of testing. Even teams that might end up getting relegated. But I think it shows a really interesting division among society. Like, let's just yes. focus on Europe, for example. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, these footballers become a different class of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, they already are. But it's it's so blatant In now. In terms of access to testing and public totally. health, it's, it's a complete disparity. And I think, I think we have to ask ourselves, like, 
if all those tests could be used elsewhere, mm-hmm. is it more is it morally correct that we're using it on footballers just so we can entertain ourselves every weekend? Definitely. I mean, even footballers are agreeing with you on that. Right? 100%. I mean, people a lot like, of them are. People like um, who is the one that I can't think of. Tridini, right Tridini yeah. didn't come out saying. Yeah. I don't think it was specifically that. No, I think it was more so concerns about it. About so his, I think he said his family safety. But I think I was said. I was watching a James Milner interview with Sky Sports, and he was talking about that exactly that. He was saying it, it's we're not the priority and this was weeks ago right this was right. Like way before they started doing this but he right. was saying we're not the priority right we we need to be doing these testing on other people that need the test right they're now. already one of the most privileged classes in europe definitely these these professional athletes yeah and so they're the least vulnerable by definition they're the they have the easiest time to self-isolate in in quite a comfortable environment for almost all of them and and yeah, we're wasting all this money on them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's I mean yeah, it's it's one of those things, right? Is is some people don't consider those things, right? They think very selfishly as far as like I want my footy back. So right, they they I don't really con- they don't. Yeah. It's not just the mean, players. They're like they're like entertainment is another type of healing, and I I see where you're coming from, but in a time like this, there's more important pressing matters. Yeah. But you know what? I had a question for you guys, like. Putting all the public health side of stuff, like uh, uh, health, public health stuff aside, excuse me. Um, do you think that the leagues are individually looking at restarting based on the title hunt? Because, for example, in Holland, the the, the Ajax is only leading by a point, mm. and they've declared them champions. But in England, they're refusing to declare <laughs> Liverpool champions, and I mean statistically, I think there's such a low chance. Who's second at the minute? City's twenty two points behind. Yeah, twenty two no points behind. Catch them. With, oh, I, I mean, I think Liverpool, mathematically they still can. I think but, Liverpool yeah, needed two more weird. wins or a win and a City loss to guarantee to the guarantee the title. And so, so I think I think from, sweet I think from the, a sporting perspective, all these people saying, "No, no, you scrap the season and you don't give them the title." Mm-hmm. It's absolute nonsense. Mm-hmm. The gap that they've opened up, it's I, if I'm not mistaken, at this point of the of the of the season. They have the highest point tally of any team ever. Yeah. If that's not champions, I don't know what it is. For sure. And that's the thing, right? Is the only people that are kind of refuting that point. Rational. The people that are refuting those points are just people that don't want to see Liverpool win a league. Uh, yeah, Gary right? Neville. It, well, I mean, even Gary Neville, though, is, is I was actually watching a Sky Sports report. And Jamie Carragher was making exactly that point. He was saying that... It's not even about Liverpool, I don't think, right? They're, they're, you say that the title is important, definitely. In certain leagues, I think the Bundesliga, super tight right now. Syria, super, super tight, tight, although I don't know how Syria is going to work with Italy going in one of the, in one of the, it's one of the hot spots. I don't know if they're, they can start as, at the same time as these other leagues. But I think you're right. Like In a place like the, like the Premier League, it's definitely all about the Champions League and the relegation. Right, it's all about which teams can get into that Champions League spot, and it's almost secured, almost solidified. But there's enough time for a lot of change to happen within those right. spots, and the relegation battle as well. The relegation battle, I think, in England is actually the most interesting conversation, and it's in the most right important. Now. The most important. I, it's more important than Champions League, in my yes. opinion, by far. One hundred percent. Because you think about the TV the money you get. Yeah. That, that does for teams and coming up. It's the future, right? Huge. You have to think about the future of this of the sport, right? right? You can't just think about one Champions League ahead, right? right? Yes. It's definitely important for all the domestic leagues to try to work out which teams are going to end up in the Champions League when they restart inevitably, or if they end up uh, restarting at the next season. But 
the the big thing about the leagues is trying to work out how the relegation and the battles and how and who's going to get promoted right. right so like you said with league uh, one and two with them suspending that's that's huge for teams that are in the relegation battle in the championship right so y- yes and no because the money coming into the championship from League definitely. One is minuscule compared to coming from the championship to the Premier League. It's definitely not as big of a jump by far. In but terms of money. it's that step. It's still such an important step for your club, right? I, and if your club is, club is having such a good season to get to that point to try to get that promotion, or if you're having such a bad season that you're going to get dropped down a league, yeah. this can be either an entire like cop-out or a bailout. Right. Well, I, so, I, I, I was listening to a podcast, uh, The Totally Football Show, and I think it was James Horncastle that was talking about, um, if I'm not mistaken, it was the club president of Leighton Orient, and they're actually not far off the League One playoff picture, right. and so they're one of the clubs that really would want to restart, because they have a viable chance of going to the championship, and that's huge for a club right. like that, and um, I think what he said, and, and, and they voted unanimously to end the season, and he would have been one of those votes. I think what he said, which is so true, is certain leagues have to think about the future of the league. It, it's time to put aside the interests of your club and think about the future survival of the For league sure. as a whole. Okay, maybe this year you don't go up. And it, it's it's unfortunate because some clubs only have a few years of a window with the same squad, especially with squads that get picked over by better... or leagues higher up in the pyramid and the money they have to spend on wages right. and stuff yeah right? so so i mean you know it's unfortunate because a club like Leighton orient maybe they won't be in this position for another number of years maybe never again but if you want to survive as a league i think for some leagues right now you have to just make, have to say you have to make sacrifices i think everybody in the world right now is making sacrifices well, yeah. right so it, it's one of those things that it's is you definitely get to see kind of who has more selfish intentions you right. know yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah. Top level football is an extremely <laughs> selfish, uh, selfish world. So, yeah, I mean, but that's it. That's the thing is, I I think top level footballers are when they're interviewed about these things, they're they can't really just be like, oh, I want footy to come back. They have to be honest. They have to be straight right. up and say there are more important things to worry about. Right? Yeah, have families right. to think about as well. Too. Exactly right. They have their family. I mean, I think Troy Deeney is a perfect example right. of that. Right. I think one <clears> of the players that actually tested positive. Um, was a, a player on Watford, um, so he has right to be right, right to be afraid and, and right to be uh, to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see if players, if it does resume, if players do stand out and well, don't come back. I know N'Golo Conte uh, on Chelsea was granted compassionate leave uh, just because he had some concerns. Wow, and he did come back, so he 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 left through training and has been granted leave, so I don't know if he's come back yet. Oh, interesting. I, I think, I think I'm, if I'm not mistaken, the NBA have been talking about a sort of, uh, sort of solution to take the entire league and isolate them. Like, I think they were talking about doing it in Disneyland. Yeah. And yeah. and Disney, I wonder... Sorry? Is it Disneyland or World in Florida? Land. Oh, no, it's in LA, wasn't it? No, they were talking about Florida. Oh, so it'd be World. Yeah. yeah. World. Um, but... Uh, I mean, I wonder if, 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 if football leagues could do that. Because at the minute, if you're already not playing in front of fans, why not why just not choose a stadium? Exactly. Well, that's what Gary Neville was saying is is a possible solution for, for the Premier League. Is, just stick is them decide, all in is, one hotel. Is doing hotels and, and putting them all in a hotel and kind of treating it like something like a Euro or an international competition. That's it. And, choose and, a, you can choose a city that has 
two or three stadiums, so that yeah, way you can have games something at the like same London, time. right? London's a good one, but maybe even something less Manchester, metropolitan. Uh, yeah, no, you're I, right. There's, I mean, there's tons of options in, yeah. the, in, the, in, in the UK. There's tons of, and you don't even need big stadiums. Right. You no. only need the cameras to be raised up to sort of a second right, level. Press facilities. Exactly. So, I mean, like, even a city like Brighton could hold it. A city like Southampton. Well, I mean, again, you're thinking yeah. that huge metropolitan It does make me wonder about things like logistically things like meals and things like, um, like training sessions and, and coach rides. All these things are kind of you know what are difficult I think, to plan I think for the Premier League with the TV money on 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 uh, at stake. I should say, I think yeah, it might cost them more, but it might be worth it. No, we and I problem. think we want to make it work. And, and yeah, you're right. And you're going back to the example of international tournaments. They always seem to make it work for them, so it doesn't seem like they wouldn't be able to. A lot of these players are used to these things as well, right? A lot of Premier League players are international players that have been off of tournaments or we're getting ready to go off for a tournament. So. Plus, you could, you could do like you could even do a shortened season where you play yeah. twice a week. No, that's the thing, right? Is, is Gary Neville was, was uh, theorizing that they, they put the hotel in one place and then they just churn out games a couple times a week and they try to get it done as quick as possible. And, right. and that's the hope, right? Is is don't make it longer. Don't try to stretch it out and be. It, it, he wants to see it done in a condensed form to try to reduce the amount of time for it to spread. And I mean another another thing, again, purely from a sporting perspective, is if you decide to come back in June, which is typically when the seasons are ending, anyways. They were looking at late June. Right. Yeah. And then if, and then if you don't do an extended season, or if sorry, if you do do an extended season and and, and play it out. You'll be playing until September, and that's when the next right. season is slated to start, anyways. And from a fatigue and injuries point of view, right? You know what I mean. You're not giving these well, guys the summers that they're used. Also, taking yeah. into consideration that the Champions League uh, on their own are planning a restart around August. They're trying, yeah, they're trying to so, bring back the Champions what are League you as well. Play in August. For? I, I don't understand. Of all the things to bring back, the Champions League seems like the dumbest thing to do right now when you have so many domestic leagues to sort out in order yeah. to sort out your it next. Should, I Champions feel like League. it should be the last thing you figure you, out. You you work out the domestic leagues for your next season, and the like you said, like you said, right? Think about the future of the league, so, right? Think about the future of the trophy and the competition, instead of just trying to push forward. At the wrong time. Do you think? Do you think that the Champions League coming back is a sort of indication of how global soccer fans are becoming so obsessed with the Champions League? I think that there's actually a sort of people value the winning champion. a domestic championship a little bit less now. Yeah, I agree. And with I that wonder 100%. if players think the same way. Like <laughs> not Liverpool it, fans. It's been that way for a while. I feel. Like. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, I feel because do you remember when a number of years back? There were all these proposals going around of like a sort of like a European Super League yeah. and not a, a tournament. Those style. still go on. Sure. Yeah. And I think I think it's so sad because if you're a, a, a sort of a, a supporter of a club that's in the Premier League or in League or or La Liga, that's not a Champions League caliber uh, club. Mm-hmm. What kind of devaluing effect does that have on the competitions you play in? So if you're Celta Vigo, for example, and you play, you compete for the Liga, you compete for the Copa del Rey. Right. Do, do those just not matter anymore? I, I I don't know. I think unfortunately that's the direction. No, yeah, I think I think a lot of coach managers, players, a lot of people in the football world would agree with you on that regard. It's what do you super think? Sad. Yeah, I I agree with that hundred percent. Like I was saying, I feel like the Champions League has had a higher level of attractiveness and prestige for at least a decade now. Um, and I guess it, it, it would act to the detriment of those 
domestic clubs like Celta Vigo uh, from an outside perspective, but I don't know how much it would affect uh, their domestic viewership or their their supporters' attraction to the club or any of that. It might just hurt them a bit outside, but... Right, and they, and they, they theorize that kind of the relegation and promotion system into that league... But I think you're right. That's not the way to do it because you look at teams. I mean, you look at a team like Leicester, right? Leicester won a Premier League before a team like Liverpool. That might have been an anomaly in that season, but they've been consistently in that top 10 since they entered the league, right? So they're one of those teams that's trying that to Leicester? push. Yeah. I thought in the first year. Actually, won. no, sorry. They were batting for relegation right. in their first year. Yeah. But then they won the league after. Yeah. Anyways, but the the point is, though, they're battling for that Champions League spot. You know, a team like Sheffield coming into the league with a, with a boom like this, this is exactly what they want to try to stay as a mid-table team and work themselves into Wolves a Champions League. Wolves has been working towards right? that for a while now. And you, and you look at teams that might be falling a little bit out of that, right? Teams like Arsenal and Spurs that are going through slumps. This is that chance for teams like Leicester and other teams to be able to go past them, right? And, and it's one of those things where... <laughs> If, if teams can sustain that, it's not fair to see them not be able to grow to the level that other teams are at. And that would, that would be completely detrimental to the, to the international nature of the sport. I completely yeah. agree. But I also think an, another point that like, this is showing people is people seem to be really interested in bringing back, let's say, the Champions League. Okay? But the majority of people that watch the Champions League are not people that live in the cities where the clubs compete. Agreed. We, like, let's let's think about where the majority of the Champions League viewership comes from. Probably Asia, a lot of, of Africa, a lot mm-hmm. of North America. Right. So if you have East. So if you have clubs from Madrid, both Madrid clubs, or, well, I mean, there's four, but still. Mm-hmm. Um, Milan clubs, it's not the Milanese or the, or the, or the people that live in Madrid Barcelona that are is a big example watching them. It's, it's the international crowd. And I think what that does is it's sort of, highlights how football nowadays is not about belonging to a culture it's about being a consumer for a product Mm. like and i think we're perfect examples of it and it's just kind of like our fortune of being in north america definitely we're not sort of spiritually connected to any soccer club in europe for sure but we you know we're diehard liverpool fans or diehard chelsea or whatever it may be but the people who actually live like my friends in the uk that are like arsenal supporters like my, my one of my friends Inca, she lives like smack in between the Emirates and the and Highbury, and she grew up in the stands. Like her dad took her to the stands since she was a kid, and for her, the Arsenal is not like a thing that you buy a ticket to and go and view like a circus show. Right. It's a club that you yeah. belong to. It's not entertainment. It's what not. And I think I think I think uh, I watched this um, documentary about the Bundesliga, and a Dortmund fan put this brilliantly. He said. In Germany, when you come to watch football, you're a member of a club participating in the club activity. Mm. You you vote on things and and you you buy a share of the club. When you go to watch the Premier League, for instance, the Premier League is kind of the ultimate example of it. Mm-hmm. You're a consumer paying a price to view a product, and I think football is just becoming like that super consumerist the entire world over. 
Definitely. I mean, I, I haven't really been to many games. I mean, maybe Omar can chime in because he's been to Leicester games. But I, I think Leicester's probably a little bit unique, especially back then when you yeah. were, when they were coming back into the Premier League. Right. But from what I hear from fans in Liverpool and like people that are on social media is that a lot of the people that are showing up in Anfield aren't necessarily season ticket holders. No. There are a lot of tourists showing up, yeah. and, and that's a big problem for a lot of the hardcore fans. But yeah. And I think that's definitely a problem. It's definitely a problem, but it's one of those things where you have to give those people an opportunity to see the game as well, right? And and, and that's the thing, right? You have to find the balance. You do. You have, to find, right. the, you have to find the perfect balance for it. And, and teams like, I think, uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid have blown way past that point. Right. And teams like Atletico Madrid are finding that balance. Right. Where they have a good amount of players or a good amount of fan base that is still, like, that's so passionate about that team there are and good, the and the fans that are coming there in. There are so. good things to be said about growing the game internationally, obviously, mm-hmm. but there aren't many ways to do it, I feel like, that are true to the the culture that you would get as a match-going fan, as a season ticket-holding fan. Right. Right. Yeah, no, it, it's one of those things where it, it, I, I would never be able to... I mean, if I went to Anfield, I would probably just be sitting there crying the entire time, right? Because it would just be such mm-hmm. a, like, a unique experience for me in that sense. But the people around me would be like, what the, what's, what's wrong, wrong with this kid? <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, what's going on with you? Like, are you all right, man? It's just like, it's just My experience game. from watching games in Leicester, and it, it might have changed uh, since I was there, although I doubt it because the city is a small city and it's not a big attraction for tourists, but mm-hmm. local fans were still there and they were still, they were into it. Were you there in their championship, in their Premier League I was. season? I was there when they, when they won the league. It was my first year in law school. Um, it was an experience. Those must have been tough exams. <laughs> well, yeah, it was because when when we were studying the uh, the parades were going on and everything, yeah. so we just wanted to get outside and see it. But I didn't really get to go see a game that season because they were just so tickets were so hard to find right, because right. they started catching roll. But the next season, I got to see uh, two games, thankfully. And, yeah, it was an experience. Yeah, and I've heard Leicester has an amazing state. King Power Stadium is a great Oh, yeah, it was a great vibe. It was mm-hmm. loud. Uh, Josh, you've been to a few games in, in the UK as well, right? You've been mm-hmm. to... Yep. You were, in, you were in Glasgow studying yep. um, law for a while, and then you were also... Uh, you went to some games in, I think, England as well while you were just... Uh, like, yeah, you just ne- you had to bounce around a bit. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never actually ended up going to a Premier League game. Okay. And I, part of it was actually intentional. I, I just don't agree with the ticket prices. Right. Uh, I don't agree with them for my own financial reasons. <laughs> I, I can't afford them. Fair, but I also just don't enough. agree with them in the sense that they are like quite extortionist. Prohibitive mm-hmm. to fans. Completely. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, that's why tourists are the ones that are going, right? That's so it. They're the only people that throw the money at that. That's it. Like when I was in the UK, I studied in Scotland. A lot of my friends were not just Scottish, but also a lot of English people. So I had friends from sort of all over England, from London, from Manchester, from Liverpool, from... Brighton, you name it. And one of my pals, her family is quite sort of intimately connected with Liverpool. Uh, like her dad actually brews a lot of the beer that is served at Anfield. Okay. And so he knows sort of people on the board. And, you know, my point is that they've they've been Liverpool through and through since, since she was born, her and her sisters. Right. And I remember <laughs> I was texting her and I was like, are you watching this game? And it was the game that... Uh, Liverpool was coming back against Barcelona. Right. Um, with the, the quick corner, yeah. with the oh. Trent Alexander, oh, Carigi, all that. And I don't get a, I don't get a text back from her, and I go, oh, she must be really enthralled in the game. And then she goes, 
am I watching it? Question mark. <laughs> and then sends me a selfie in the cop. Oh, She's man. in the cop wow. and just losing her mind. And then afterwards, I was chatting to her about that. And I was like, it's so amazing that you got to go to it. And she goes, yeah, my mom's really not pleased. And I was like, oh, why would your mom not be pleased? And she goes, because my dad had to use their savings account to pay for me oh and him to go. And she's like, it was not cheap. Like, I think they they spent, I, I don't know. I don't want to talk about yeah, how much they let's spent. Let's not get into that. But, but yeah. they spent a lot of money. Unfair and and th- these are people that grew up around Liverpool. Right. I mean, okay, fair enough. It's it's like a Champions League semifinal knockout game. But it was a semifinal, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're down 3 nothing on aggregate against one of the best teams in the world. I mean, that kind of, that kind of decision is so, to, to use a word that I probably shouldn't, ballsy. It's I don't. I right. see, see, but I think people in Liverpool wouldn't consider it. Ball. But that's the thing, right? Sure, it, yeah. it, even as a Liverpool fan, like sitting at home, I was I was watching that game very hopeful and very like not really expecting much. And I don't think anybody in that stadium no. was. But as soon as that first goal goes, you're like, I bet everybody who had an opportunity to go to that game was like, should have been there. Yeah. As soon as that first goal went, I, I think everybody in Liverpool's any Liverpool fan's mind was just clicked, and they're like. This this could be happening. Yeah. You know you know what actually now fast. now that we're talking about this, for somebody myself being in absolutely no way a Liverpool supporter, yeah. I have a lot of Liverpool supporting friends. And I have a friend who was, as I was just saying, yeah. at the game against Barcelona. And I also have a friend who was at in Istanbul. Okay. With the three nil comeback in the second half against wow. AC Milan. Two thousand five. Two thousand five, that's it. <laughs> and to be honest, if I could pick at, as a neutral as just forgetting the fact that I'm not partial to Liverpool, those might be two of the top games that I would pick to ever see. to go and see. The, the, the consequence of those games, Insane. the emotion, right. the, the, the improbability of it, like the fact it that one was a final, the fact that one was in yeah. your home stadium, yeah. it's just incredible. No, I mean, the, and that was the thing, right? It's like trying to decide which is better than the other is insanity because both were so unique, right? I mean... I would say that Istanbul might be more insane because our team was nowhere near AC Milan's team at that time. Oh my goodness. That, I was looking at the Milan lineup just casually again, If you day. look at the starting lineups, it's a joke. It's an yeah. entire joke. There's like maybe two players in Liverpool's lineup that could fit on the bench on Milan's team. Uh, I mean, Xavi Alonso and Gerard, I think... Maybe start, but... Push maybe. for the squad. But then, but but then who are you pushing out? Exactly. Pirlo, Seydorf... <laughs> Kaka, all those yeah. players would probably it's, were probably because that, that was because that was their midfield trio, right? Yeah. There was Kaka, Seydorf, Pirlo, Gattuso. That would have been their diamond, most likely. Right. Kaka in the top, the top. Pirlo and and Seydorf behind. That's the thing, right? And then and, and actually, if I'm honest, Stevie G, okay, maybe Stevie gets in there, but Xavi Alonso, as much as he's probably my favorite Spanish player of all time, at the time, at the time of his know. career, this is pre Madrid, pre Bayern. Yeah, I actually don't think he gets in that he, spot. He was definitely an underrated player at the at time, time yeah. but I, he was... He was finding his game at that He time. was nowhere near the level of players in that Milan squad. Have you read the Andrea Pirlo book? Yeah, I have. I yeah. think, therefore I play. Yeah. Omar, I think I have it at my mom. Oh, no. I, I have, actually have it upstairs if you want. That's my copy. <laughs> that I, might be I, it, yeah. I gifted it, I gifted it to, to Kassim, to Kamal's older brother. Um, you should read it. Right. But he there's a bit in it where he talks about the 2005 final, mm-hmm. and he, he he says in it. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. Obviously, I read it a long time ago. But he goes, um, you know, no disrespect to Liverpool, but it just didn't make any sense. We we got off the board so quickly, and we were such a better team, and we were so dominant. 
He's like, for the next two years, I felt like I was walking around and I was numb. People spoke to me and it just sounded like muffled noises. He's, he's like, for two years, I couldn't get over it. And then, as most of us know, two years later, they, they met again in the final in Athens mm-hmm. and Jermaine Pennant was the best Liverpool player at the time, <laughs> which is an, again, obscure, insane, an obscure thing to say. Insanely, insanely discrepancy in yeah. between those lineups. And, and, and even though they won, he says in his book, he's like, it just, it felt like, okay, we got a retribution, sure, Ricardo scored and uh, Ricky Kakao and um, right. well, I think Shevchenko was my scored in that final. Oh no no, yeah, and and Zaghi scored. Twice, Zaghi scored. Yeah, that's right. It was in Zaghi twice. Kakao yeah. Kaka assisted in Zaghi. That's right. Um, but um, he's like, it just didn't feel right. Still, mm-hmm. he's like, this this final was just it obviously should have gone that way, right? And it still didn't really make up for for Istanbul. And I honestly think that might be the most legendary game for sure. Well, ever I mean, I think a really cool trend that I've noticed amongst these teams that, that end up winning the Champions League, I mean, maybe Madrid is a bit of an exception, but there's teams that really had to lose and lose in tough games uh, in the Champions League before they got there to the final and win it. Bayern Munich had, before before they won it in, I think, 2013 it was? 14. 13 or 14. Um, had just... No, yeah, four, 14, because they lost in 2012 against Chelsea. Right. I, I think it was 13, 14, yeah. Against, against... I thought... Uh, that, I, no, 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 it was 12, 13 against uh, Dortmund. Right. Yeah. Anyways. Oh, so it was the very next season? Tw- yeah. 11, 11, 12, I believe, Chelsea beat right. Bayern, and, and then, then they came back. And, they, and, they and came Bayern back had... Uh, Where is it next season? Yeah. Uh, against against Dortmund. Had yeah. lost to Milan before as well. Um, tough losses. Chelsea mm-hmm. losing in 08 is a tough loss. Liverpool losing in 05. Right. A tough loss. Well, oh, or other way, sorry. Uh, sorry. Milan losing Milan, in five yeah. is a tough loss. It's just, it takes... But in fact, no, but no, but actually, good point, because Liverpool lost in the final to Madrid. Yeah. Right. And then Before came out the next one. season. Exactly. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it, and that was... You know who, which team this doesn't hold up for, though? Is Madrid, I feel like. Uh, uh, the uh, opposite way, Juventus. I think Juventus has been to yeah. the most finals right. without ever lifting... A lot of pain and all Oh, no, they have they won. They've won. In 96, I believe... But, um, mate, how many finals have they been to? 0-3 against Milan. Yeah. That one against Madrid. Or Barca, Barca, sorry, Barca. Like, two semifinals in the past few years. Yeah. God, for being such a, a dominant team in Italy, that hurdle must be Definitely heartbreaking. Hard. I mean, and going back to what we were talking about with that, with the Pirlo quote, and you were saying that it kind of left him numb. I mean, that was what Liverpool did to Barcelona as well, right? And that was and that was the thing, right? Is that is that game Leo Messi still has like nightmares about that game, right? And it's a, and, and not to like keep going on about Liverpool, but it's one of those things where like you know it, was, I, it would be interesting to see how Barcelona was going to adapt and, and react in this year's Champions League and how they would be able to go up against teams. If they could get over it. Right. I, I, I think I think a more apt comparison though is not Liverpool, it's what Roma did to them the year before. True, yeah. Because, to be honest, Liverpool, having already been a Champions League finalist the year before, knocking out Barca, it was unlikely because of the scoreline, but the squad was incredible. And right? if you look at the Correct. game before, it shouldn't have been a 3 nothing game. Liverpool missed a couple chances. It could have been It could have been like a 5-2 game, if, I, sure. if I'm being completely honest. Sure. But it could have been a very different game. But... What Roma did yeah, to them. Yeah, Roma. I mean, goodness gracious. Yeah. Like, and they almost did to Liverpool, remember that? Yes, I don't know if you remember that in I the semifinals. That. I do remember that. I, we were in Morocco at the time, uh, traveling with the family, and we were sitting there watching the game in like some bar, and I remember, I remember it so vividly. I was like, 
don't do this to me, Liverpool. Do not do this to me right now. Because it just felt so familiar. And I was like, please do not. And they, they held out. But it was one of those things where you're like, yeah, this is, this as is a what neutral, momentum can do, right? As a neutral, that semifinal in Rome, what a game. Man, when Nangolan scored those two goals, I was, what I was a like, game. I, was, I was yelling at the TV in the middle of a bar <laughs> in, in Morocco. They probably thought I was insane. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's, uh, let's move on to a little bit of a game as a little bit of a break here. Um, so... In our room here, I've got a little bit of a cupboard. Our studio. Uh, yeah, my studio, I should say, but it's not much of a studio mm-hmm. when you got a bathroom right next to it, does it? <laughs> I, I think it's more of a studio. <laughs> yeah, I think that helps. Yeah. Does that add credibility? I think so. This is like a sure. very professional setup. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. I worked hard. Um, so we've got a, ca- a cabinet and a uh, closet within that cabinet and a couple items in there. They're both footy-related items. I'm going to give you guys the options on uh, which one you want, the bigger or the smaller. Um, Omar, you're going to get the first choice on what, on which one you want to guess. But for now, um, what's going to happen is you guys are going to get 20, 20 questions. All right? Okay. So you're going to have 20 questions to guess what that item is. All right? Do we get to keep the item? You oh, know what? I shouldn't have asked that. <laughs> well, you, it, it, depending on which one you pick, you get to keep okay, it. Okay, one of them is pretty valuable. Oh, all, right? all right? So it's a little one. Uh, no, you know what? I, I, you, you can keep the big one too, actually. We'll see. We'll, Anyways, see. we'll, see. we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how well you guys do. Anyways, so uh, Omar, do you want to guess for the little one or the big one? I'll guess the big one. Okay, big one. So uh, 20 questions to guess what the big item in that cupboard is. So I get to ask you 20 questions. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Is it a round object? No. Okay. You said the bigger one, right? Yes. Yeah. Does it conform to the shape of a foot? No. Okay. It's too... Is it something you win? Like in a tournament, playing soccer? No. Okay. This shouldn't be too hard, I don't think. Oh, 20 it's... questions gets good around the 7th or 8th question. Okay. Yeah. And the thing is, I already said it's soccer related, so that right. kind of narrows it down. You know? Okay. But I, I do want to be a little bit more detailed with your answer. So we'll see how detailed you get, but... Is it an officiating instrument? No. Remember, you're guessing the big one. I know. Yeah. I had a flag in mind. Those are pretty big, but I don't know. Oh, flag. Sorry, I thought you were going to go for a whistle. My bad. Continue. Um, can I wear it? Yes. Okay. Can I wear it on my upper body? Yes. Is it a kit? Yes. <laughs> right. I can't believe it took me that long. <laughs> all right, you're going to have to guess which kid okay, it is. Okay, all right. Because, I mean, that, you can't just guess kids. No, that's, that's true. Easy, right? All right. Uh, how many questions am I at? You're at seven questions. You got okay. 13 left. Is it your favorite team? No. Oh, interesting. <laughs> interesting. Um, are, you, are you allowed to give specific answers or do they have to be yes and no answers yes or no i can give maybes as well but i, I don't know if that's gonna happen <laughs> is it a team in england no is it a team in italy no is it a team in germany <laughs> no this is risky how many do i have left you have nine questions left this is a risky ga- game that's a risky strategy. Right now. is it not english not italian not german is it a national team kit no is it Ooh, a local left. club in Calgary? No, but I like that guess. 
I'm really intrigued now. <laughs> Josh, do you think you know what it is, or uh, any ideas? Maybe you can I, give us some I hints. Mean, I, I, I think I, I don't want to give any hints because he's he's already he's got seven questions left. I think he can get it, it within. I the, think I think I think I'm more familiar with your kit collection. Is it a professional league? I will say, I will say, I don't think you guys have seen me wear this kit. Sorry, what was your Is question? it a professional league club? Yes. Can I ask you a question that won't count for Omar's questions, but might it won't, it won't help him actually? <laughs> we'll see. We'll wait till he's done okay, with questions, okay. right? Okay. Because yeah. Cause, uh, yeah. Are they a previous Champions League winner? Yes. Okay. Five questions left. Okay. I gotta add some music, background music right now for this. Wait. Added in post. So what countries did I guess? Italy, England, Germany. Germany. Okay, so there's that leaves. You, you could potentially do, France. That leaves. No, well Marseille only, but right. I don't think he has a Marseille. I don't think so. Either. Uh, it, it could be Spanish, and there's. It could be Spanish. There's, there's, there's a, a few, few Spanish teams. Uh, three to choose from? No, two, only two, only two Spanish runners. Okay. Um, only two Spanish runners. Uh, you, it could also be, it could be a, uh, it could be Celtic, it could be Ajax, it could be Lisbon. Yeah, hey. I do have a fairly extensive Has collection. Has a player from that team won the Ballon d'Or in the last decade? Yes. Okay. <laughs> that narrows it down. Four, so, four left. So, so it's, 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 it's that was Spanish. a good question. Yeah. That was a really good question. Um, is Spanish. it Madrid? Is it I mean, a Real Madrid kit? No. Is it a Barcelona kit? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you two more questions to try to guess the name on the back. Okay. Oh, there's you, a name. Okay. Yeah. There's a name uh, on the back of this, and just for a little bit more right, fun, right, uh, right. I'll give you a hint. Was uh, I'll give you a hint. Okay. He's not on Barcelona's current squad. Okay, that's very nice. That's yeah, very it's an old kit. Um, but it's also one of my favorite players. I don't know if Omar knows that, but uh, Josh definitely does. I mean, I have an obvious guess. He's not there right game. now. Uh, okay, and there's two questions I have. There's a very obvious guess, and I'm hoping you throw is it away. He, is he is he potentially in jail at the moment? I'm not answering your question. <laughs> Get out of here! Get out of here! How old is the kid? So the kit is probably no. Hey, wait, that's not oh, that's no, not the answer. No, no, question. no, no, no. It's just a, it's just a hint. Cause that well, I don't think that'll help. Kids? The kit won't help him really give it away. Everyone won't give it away too much. I think it's about ten years old. Okay, ten years old. So it's from the twenty ten season. Is it... I don't know if it's exactly, but it's it's around that time, of Barcelona. Did he play midfielder forward? Okay, I'm not helping you out with that now. Come okay, on. Sorry. Well, no, that's a yes or no question. You oh, I guess. Okay. Yes, he did. Yes. All right. Yeah. Well, sorry. Midfield or forward? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you, okay. So he's he, yeah, he kind of narrowed it down. I guess so. And it was who less has risky. De- who has a defender's shirt from Barca? Bro, I, I'd get a Carlos Puyol Carlos shirt. Puyol. Ah. Ah. I actually ah. did love Carlos Puyol. Yeah, and five is my awesome. favorite number, so that would fit me pretty well, but okay. it's not Carlos Puyol. Is it David Villa? Yes, it is. Wow. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. Because who doesn't love David Villa? Yeah, I'm pulling <laughs> out right now. David Villa's a, a legend, man. It's yeah. a pretty nice kit as well. It's... I, I just want to see it, it man. That thing will never fit me. That, yeah. I just want to see it. Yeah, I won't fit you. That's gorgeous. Oh, I love that it's shirt. A, it's, a, it's a fake. It's a knockoff. Oh, it's but such a gorgeous it's a clean kit. Yeah. Is, yeah, it from, it is, uh, a is it from Morocco? Um, no, I think 
Actually, Pakistan? You know I don't know where my mom got me that one. Wow, that's great. Yes, yeah. of course. Man, look at the... Look Might at be this. a Pakistan number one 100% quality <laughs> <favorite>. <laughs> UNICEF, um The UNICEF on the back is classic, but yeah. the Qatar Airways on the front... It's just a really horrible. clean kit, isn't it? No. Yeah. It's, I just can't It's It's difficult yeah. to do it this over... It was nice when UNICEF was right on the front. Nothing yeah. against people from the Gulf, from the Arabian Gulf. Just I, for... I, I love my Arabian For the friends. listeners, it is a blackout... Uh, Barcelona kit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, remember that season. It doesn't really help to yeah, do Javier, this with Javier, audio. Yeah, I guess can't see it. Yeah. Um, I just can't stand the the Qatari and the Emirati, all these sponsors. And, well, just ruined. This this is a good conversation to have as well. Is is just the the uprise. Do you see in, that by the way? Yeah. Okay. Questionable, questionable owners of football clubs. Yeah, and I mean, if, Mah- if Mohammed bin Salman. And let's not let's not Buys. hold any illusions here. It is Mohammed bin Salman buying Newcastle, yeah. not not some investment fund. No, and let, also let's not any hold any other illusions. And I don't know if this will make the final cut, but Mohammed bin Salman killed Kogeshi. Kishore. Thank you, Omar. No problem. <laughs> I don't know if I can put that. Yeah. Okay, I mean, yeah. Okay, so if you're gonna cut this out, fuck it. But he's a murderous piece. Of yeah, dude. It's. Yeah, and, and he's buying Super Newcastle. Up. Also, Newcastle. Of all and, they, and they, the Premier League just punched it through. They're, it's going ahead. Oh, what a disgrace. All the uproar and everything. For a brief break, I wanted to quickly say thank you for tuning in to the first episode of Combos with Kamal. As this is the first episode, I wanted to keep the episode very straightforward, but I'll be adding much more production as the show goes on over the summer and hopefully beyond. So stay tuned because we've got so much more to talk about on the show with a massive variety of guests and topics coming in the future. I also want to say a big thanks to CMRU.ca for giving me this awesome opportunity. Thanks again for listening so far, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Okay, so before the break, we had Omar guessing the David Villa black Barcelona jersey that I had never worn in my life. Um, he guessed it, guessed it correctly, but he got it on, I think, the 18th, and he got the player name as well. So you got to give him credit there. Just Next up, thing. we got Josh going up for the smaller item, and we got 20 questions to try to guess what it is. So, Josh, what is your first question? Okay. Uh, is it also soccer-related? Yes. Sorry, I won't count that as a question because oh. I gave that to Omar. Okay. Um, is it wearable? Yes. Okay. I feel like Josh is going to get this pretty quick. And it's smaller. Yeah. Okay, so it's smaller than a shirt. So it's either socks, shorts, or a hat. Okay. Is it a hat? No. Okay. Um, is it a pair of shorts? No. Could also be a whistle. It's not wearable. Is a whistle wearable? It's got a lanyard, it is. Is that a question? No, I mean, it is a question, but not for me. Um, (laughs) Is it a set of socks? No. Shoot. Um, Good guesses, though. Thanks. Because I I thought about all four of the three of those things before. Um, Is it footwear? No. Oh, my. Oh, is it a scarf? Oh, man. <laughs> it popped in his head, no. didn't it? Yeah, it popped. Yes, it's a I scarf. I saw the light bulb. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, now he's got to catch, guess the scarf. Is yeah, you got to guess the team. Right? Is it a scarf of your favorite team? No. Is it a scarf of a European team? Yes. European team that I'm not your favorite. Do they have a Champions League in their history? No. 
Kind of. Hold on. No. <laughs> like what? They win kind no, of. No, they don't. Okay. <laughs> what? They, did they win the Cup Winners Cup or something like that? No. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I, th- I answered like that. That was really misleading. Because it's. Or was it? <laughs> it's not United. It's not Chelsea. It's not Playing like, mind games to get into it now. Not Liverpool. They did loads of caps. Is it an English team? No. Okay. You. Did you buy it on your travels? Um. No. Okay. So. I didn't buy it on your travels. Was it gifted to you by your brother? You're thinking what I'm thinking. Uh, <laughs> no. Is it a team that competed in this year's Champions League? No. I gotta be honest, I don't know how many questions you're at, but I think you're at 10. Okay, well, let's say we're at 10. <laughs> <laughs> I lost count. You're at, you asked a couple too quick, and I, I wasn't holding my fingers. Apologies. <laughs> I need my fingers to count. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll say, you got, we'll say you got nine, because... Like nine left? No, you've, got, okay, no, you've done nine questions. You've got 11 questions left. An extra one for <laughs> refs <for> error. <laughs> Imagine if they did that in real sports. Uh, oh I messed God. up. Give them a couple points. The NBA would be a <laughs> different sport. That's true. <laughs> they kind of do in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, is it a French team? No. Oh, I'm going to go down this route now. I'm going to see their countries. And it's another risky one. It worked, didn't it? Yeah, kind of. Not really. Okay. Is it a Spanish team? No. German? No. <laughs> to think about that one. I mean, Josh just gave. Kyle yes. A, a, just a yes, it's a German team. What do you mean? Yes, yes or no? <laughs> um, it it is a German team. Yes. Okay. Do you mean? Can I clarify the answer? Yeah. Is it a team that plays in Germany. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I thought he was gonna spring like a Swiss German or like an Austrian yes. team on me. It's a German team that hasn't won the Champions League. Mm. Okay, so it's a Dortmund scarf. No. No? No. Dortmund has one. You still got... No, they haven't. You've still oh, got, they have? Yeah. You've still got five questions. Yeah, Dortmund won the Champions League against Juventus. We talked about it earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so they have. So they have. Yeah. So it's not Munich. Ooh. What German club could you possibly have? Were they in the Europa League this year? Hmm. They were. Well, was Were that they? is that a question? I mean, I'm asking it to you. It doesn't have to come for Josh. Uh, uh, well, I don't have to answer it then. <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do. I didn't do it for for you for Josh either. So. Are they in the Bundesliga? That's true. No. Oh. Is it Hamburg? No. Oh. <laughs> you got three guesses oh. left. Oh. <laughs> okay. Are they in Hamburg? No. <laughs> No. What's going on? Who is this team? I was, I was gonna say St. Pauli. I think you're you're overthinking this now. Just think about the, just think about the clues that you've got you've gotten right. Don't think about the ones you gotten wrong. Just oh, is it <laughs> is it the German national? Yes. Oh, shoot. 
That's why, that's why my answers were so... I thought I was going to give it away with my terrible answer. Isn't that team in Germany? Yeah. Um, <laughs> kind of? Yeah, I guess. Well done. Well done. All right, yeah. It's a uh, weird... I don't know where I got this scarf from. I bet you... I say this for another one. I bet you you got this from Phil. Yeah, probably. <laughs> makes sense. I just, for some reason, I woke up one day, and there was a German scarf and flag in my closet. And it was one of the weirdest moments That's I've ever experienced. Your brother has a really funny, like, scarf collection at his house in Ottawa. Oh, he's got so many scarves. He's, yeah. got, a, he's got a nice... He's got that annoying Seattle Sounders... Chelsea split <laughs> scarf. Oh, scarf. an all-star game or a preseason game? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. went to a preseason game when they went to a tournament in Seattle. In Seattle. They, yes. played, they played where the Seahawks play Safeco? No, Safeco is the... No, it's... Uh, Quest. Quest. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Oh, time Link. Century Link. Century Link. Century Link Field. Oh, I think it was called Questfield Maybe at, the back time, at the time. But yeah, it's called CenturyLink now. Um, so yeah, that was a little bit of fun. Had a little bit of a game there. Um, we talked a little bit about footy. We were talking a lot about the uh, protocols coming back in. Um, getting excited to watch footy again. Is there any topics you guys wanted to talk about before we uh, finished up the show in the next few minutes here? Or not in a few minutes, but we got another 20 minutes just, probably. Just talking about staying with footy a bit in the Champions League is... Uh, if the league does resume, the uh, Champions League, you mean? The Champions League. What are the French teams going to do? Right. They're going to play probably, but. Uh, how many French teams are left? I think it's just. Lyon is ahead of Juve still. still oh yeah, they, they yeah. were. I, they I were go one, up up on the one one nil, and PSG's through. I think. Mm, or, did they beat or are they still Or are they still playing? The, 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 they beat Dortmund in, in the end. Yeah, I know they. I know they had their second leg, but I wasn't sure how it ended. Yeah, it was the same day um, that Atletico beat beat Liverpool, and that's why I was mourning. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember it clearly because I was in Ottawa and I was having an argument with a Serbian taxi driver oh. about how he should bet on his betting app, and I and I said, do not bet on. Um, on 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 Paris, they will lose, and he's like, "No way, Paris will win," and I went, "Mate, you're out to lunch. Paris are gonna lose. It's dormant. They're so much better." He bet on Paris, and he was right. Yeah, but he also bet on Liverpool, and he was wrong. Yeah, so I'm happy that he was half wrong so because. But to be fair, those were kind of those were kind of swapped as far as the results people expected. Uh, I completely uh, agree. And like Liverpool, I mean, let's not talk about that. But that was. One of the worst ways to end or to go into a quarantine as a Liverpool fan with one of the dumbest mistakes from our backup court, our backup keeper, which is now going to be a problem probably going forward again, which we thought we'd solve with Adrian. But uh, I heard an interesting thing today about backup goalkeepers. Yeah. Allegedly, the reason that Schalke apparently looked so bad against Dortmund is that they didn't play their number one choice. Schubert. Yeah. Yeah. Because he'd already agreed a contract with Bayern Munich, yeah, really, and so they dropped him. Yeah, but what a decision to drop your number one in your biggest derby yeah. against Dortmund, and, and dropping him in general to to the detriment of your chances of winning. And you saw what happened. But, they, but they're not pushing for Champions League, I don't think. So I think they kind of went. No, they are. Oh, they are. Yeah, they Schalke are. Schalke are doing pretty well this league this season. Because what's it in the Bundesliga? It's Munich, Dortmund, uh, Hoffenheim. Uh, I think it's Leipzig. No, Leipzig. Oh, and yeah. then Hoffenheim. And then I think Hoffenheim. But uh, it, it's you're exactly that is it was very weird. Um, sorry, what were we talking about? Backup goalkeepers. Right, backup goalkeepers. So um, 
Um, yeah, so so we were talking about the backup situation at Schalke and how Schubert didn't get played, and I was just relating to that. I saw Manuel Neuer signed a new contract. Yeah, he did until 2025, yeah. Yeah, and, and it makes me wonder, what what goes through the backup keepers' minds in that scenario, mm-hmm. right? You, you think about somebody like Schubert, who's mm-hmm. who's got an incredible future. A lot of people were tipping him to be a lot very similar to Neuer. Um, and maybe maybe that's why they're bringing him in now, so we can learn from Neuer, and Neuer can teach him all Take these over things. after. Exactly right, but it, it just is, does seem weird to me. And I think yeah, if I were Schubert, I would I would be looking for a little bit upset, more, more right? I would probably go for like a loan or something, like try to get a little bit more play I time. Think but what big clubs are doing nowadays when it comes to uh, goalkeepers, which is quite smart, and I think we saw Barcelona do it for the past few seasons, is you give particular competitions to, to those keepers and I think Manuel Neuer at his age and especially at his form he's been quite heavily That's criticized true. I think he understands if like for example the DFB Pokal or the German Cup as it's known um, isn't his anymore right. you play in the league you play in the Champions League but this new kid gets the cup right. and that's his chance to get his confidence up to play real games and, and and honestly I mean I think when you go to a big club like that like but you I would also say, hope that the the number one gets. I would say for injured. keepers though, it's it's something. It's so much to do with confidence and Absolutely, consistency. Yeah. Absolutely right. And I think having a keeper that isn't playing consistency consistently, and that's part of the problem you would see with Liverpool's keepers is that Allison would go down, and whoever came in in that scenario would struggle. Right. But if I think it was that- Mignolet, if it was if it was Kelleher, if it was now Adrian. A lot of these players, are, they don't play consistently enough to have the confidence when they get out there. But there's but there's a dilemma, right? So if you look, for example, at what Barca were doing. Now, I know that Jesper Solisson has gone to Valencia, but right. when Jesper Solisson was playing behind Ter Stegen regularly, if Ter Stegen gets injured in a game and training or whatever, you've got a keeper who, can jump who at least away. knows, look, I played last week in the cup, Yeah. right? I still know I can do yeah. this. Where if you gamble completely on a keeper like Allison, yeah. completely on a keeper like, I don't know, Chesney. Or Neuer, as we were talking about. Or Neuer, as you were talking about. Yeah. I think from a club point of view, if I was Munich or, or any of these big clubs that, that have to juggle sometimes four competitions, sometimes mm-hmm. even more, you have to have a, a very backup. good backup and you have to give him real playing time. True. You can't just so, mess about and say, oh, I'm going to buy this very highly prized kid and set him on the bench because that's that's doomed to, to fail. Exactly, and so that's that's my point. Is it, it's a very different thing between managers, right? It's right. a very different approach between managers and how they want to have a backup right. keeper. Right. So I mean, someone like Liverpool, they've been bringing in keepers that aren't necessarily going to get full playing time at top teams, but they still want to be a part of a top team, and yeah. they're okay with getting those yeah. games when they can. Yeah. But somebody like Schubert going to a place like Bayern Munich. I, he might have thought right away. He he, he probably didn't think he was going to get that spot from Neuer right away. I don't sure. I don't think so. Yeah. But, but he probably didn't think that Neuer was going to get a five-year contract. Exactly. Either. And he thought he probably thought maybe a year or two understudy, learn from one of the best keepers of all time, and then I take over for him. Do you know who arguably has the best goalkeeper setup in the world? Juventus. Yeah. Wojnak, Wojnak Chesney is incredible. It, I mean, it blows my mind how good he is. Yeah, because the jump that he... In talent that I've seen yeah. for him is r- remarkable. Yeah, Insane. and then to have somebody as iconic 
and as intelligent as a footballer as Gigi Buffon, yeah. that I think at his age is quite happy to sit most of the games. True. He's happy to sort of be the elder statement in the, uh, right. statesman in the camp. He's good to have in the Mr. locker room. Yeah. I think he's, if anything, he's, he is Mr. Juventus. If anything, he's learning the ropes of coaching. Absolutely. Yeah, right? it's, it's one of those and, things and when you manage to that age, you, learn, you become more of a, a senior figure and kind of like a player coach. But if Chesney goes down or is tired, he's fatigued, you want to rotate yeah. somebody in, who's better <laughs> to bring in than Gigi right. Buffon? And that's the thing, right? Going back to what I was saying is what do you want? Do you want a young keeper behind your big keeper, your number one world-class 80 million pound keeper? Do you want a young guy behind there to learn and develop and eventually take the reins? And put a little bit of pressure on them, or the do you support, want somebody experienced who right. doesn't who doesn't care too much about getting that playing time, who won't leave your club because of playing time? I think it also matters uh, the stature of your club. Absolutely. Like if you're a Manchester United, that's not really competing in that many competitions at yeah. the moment. You know, okay, you're a big club, but De Gea is enough for sure. But I think if you're but they have Barca, Sergio Romero, who's a great keeper, sitting behind them. Right, and if you if you look at a team like like we were saying Barcelona before with Jasper Silison, that's why he left. Exactly why he left. He's one of the. He's a great keeper. He's close to the age, a little bit older than Ter Stegen, if I'm correct. But he's the same age, uh, maybe. But he, regardless, right? right? He wanted to fight for that spot, and he wasn't getting a chance to fight for that spot. So then, inevitably, he was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Valencia. I'm going to go to a team where I will get that spot. And even there, I think he was starting to struggle with the with the other keeper that was there. I can't remember exactly who it is. But even there, he was, had that competition. Interesting side note. I was with your two older brothers at the World Cup game, Holland against Costa Rica, Yeah. where Jesper Solisson was substituted because mm. at that point in his career, he was still an Ajax goalkeeper. He had never once in his career saved Did a penalty know? shot. Yeah. No, a penalty shot ever oh. in his professional career. And so, and it was was it Tim Cruel who was the backup? Tim Cruel, yeah. he is the penalty man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, so, and he was a Newcastle man at the time, if I'm not mistaken. That. And uh, the manager was uh, Coleman. No, no. Well, he went to United afterwards. Um, his oh, name uh, me. Louis van Gaal. Louis, Louis van Gaal. And everybody was going, "Are you joking me? Like wow. you've taken Celeste now?" Insane. And yeah, what yeah. a decision! I think he, I think one missed penalty and two saved. Yeah. What right a decision! Away. He went the right, he went the right way every right time. Right into the uh, World Cup semifinals. Yeah. I feel like that's happened to Tim Cruel in league play as well. Well, or in a cup, I will, in a I will cup say tournament where he's come in just for penalties and won them. I, I will man. say I've seen him. I, I don't think I've seen him guess the wrong way yeah. on a penalty. The Tim only Krul. time, the only time somebody beats Tim Cruel on a penalty is if it's perfectly placed. And I, I, I go to the example of James Milner. Because, I mean, he's an incredible penalty taker, but, I mean, Tim Krul just predicts where you're going regardless. I, I don't know if it's to study, is studying, if it's something that he can read in the player's run-up or the finish. Yeah. It's, 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 it's such a, I think insane the, the penalty shirt is such an interesting art. It is. And, like, obviously... But, the, but the, the, he's changed it for keepers, right? Mm. It's like, the, the statistics, I remember a few years back, the statistics have dropped entirely for the players that convert on penalties. It dropped from about 80% conversion rate to like 67% conversion rate mm -hmm. for players around the world. Mm -hmm. And that's insane to see. Maybe it's due to being able to study players' technique and the way they run up and where they finish. I think who really changed it, though, was Jens Lehmann. In you think that, so? In back that, then? In that Argentina-Germany shootout in the 2006 World Cup yeah. when the goalkeeper coach every game, they gave them a comprehensive list. Yeah. And they put it in their sock. Yeah. Or they put it on the water bottle now. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the water bottle. Nowadays. And and every and they he, they won that shootout mm -hmm. and 
uh, Jens Lehmann guessed or rather dove the correct way every way every yeah. every shot. Time, yeah. Incredible. Right, and that's the thing, right? Is I think that was kind of the the beginning of bringing in video history, like studying video right. and studying penalties, right? And studying where the player shoots. Um, but then, as soon as that happened, you saw players like Messi and and players that were really good right. at play, good right. at picking penalties that would react according to where the keeper went, right? Or and that's not, like not give you any idea where the ball's going, right? And that's ball. the modern way to take Short a penalty, runners, right? Is you just stare pops, straight at the keeper, whatever. and then you just you just make sure your execution is far enough away. Right. But you also, I think. If you're a player as high profile as Messi, yeah. that you know, especially when you play for Argentina, you're going to be analyzed right. by the opponent. Exactly. You can be predictable in the way you shoot. But I think that's every player now. I don't think it's just a player like Messi. But I, I think, think every player, I'm, I'm a high for sure, player. for sure, because like, they're taking most of the penalties. Definitely. That's so a, the designated penalty player is going to be studied. So, so if you're taking like ten penalties a season or yeah. more, the, and Messi's a left footed player, and predominantly players shoot towards their dominant side. They don't pull across their body. I don't know about that. I mean, I think I, it's I, actually I, opposite. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I read. I read a book really? called Soccernomics, and it said that, like, m- the majority of football players are right-footed, and almost all go right penalty shooters go to the keeper's left. So yeah, to their right. Yeah. Um, and so I think somebody like Messi, and I mean the technique of pulling it across your body is yeah. actually a lot more difficult because there's a, I don't know about you. There's a lot more room for error. Margin, uh, yeah, yeah, for error. Yeah. When I'm if I'm if I'm shooting a penalty, I'm either gonna run up straight and kind of shoot it center right, or I'm gonna open my body and try and find the far right netting or the far right corner, yeah. because I'm right footed. Right. If I pulled it across and tried to hit the top left corner, maybe I could do it, but I'm way less confident. For sure. In that technique. But the thing is, I think that part of that is the run up as well, right? Like for me, right. I I go right more than 95% of the time. Right. But but it's one of those things where if I know the keeper is cheating one side, I've I've adapted that to my penalty taking now. Right. right, right. Is you kind of have to know that a keeper is going to try to predict where you're going or they can kind of see how you're run up and how you're go- going in there. And going to that right corner is way more obvious cuz your hips open up. Yeah. And it's way more obvious where you're going. But going across can really mess up a keeper. I've also noticed that um, a lot of players now play this waiting game with keepers. Yeah. Where they do this slow run-up sure. and a little faint. And I've heard this thing where players will look at both the knees of the goalkeepers. Mm-hmm. And the knee that's bent is the knee you aim for. Because if your right knee is bent, you're jumping left. left. Right? right? You're springing left or, right. and vice versa. So if you see a bend in the right knee of a keeper, you go bottom left corner. Okay. Or vice versa. Yeah, no. And, I, and, I, and I mean, watching players like Neymar, for example, they don't have this like emphatic run-up like Gibral Cisse where you just sprint and mm-hmm. just blast the ball. They, they they just kind of like stutter step to the for ball. Sure. Even Lewandowski in the Lewandowski scored a penalty stars. like that. Yeah. Boop, boop, boom. For sure. And, that was, and, I, I, and it's one of those things where it's more just about I think it's not doing about... something unpredictable. Right, it's just being unpredictable more than anything. It's kind of like say, it's kind of like any other fifty-fifty. You go up in a game, players know how you play, players know your tendencies. So now you kind of have to be able to break those habits. And I teach that to like the players that I'm coaching. Is right. you, if you're a forward, you can't be one-dimensional as a player. You have to be able to have other aspects to your game and be able to switch it up regardless of which defender you're going up against because you're gonna go up against defenders that are smart enough to predict your movements. And you're, the same thing goes with keepers. I feel like with Penalty shots now, it's about 
freezing the goalkeeper. Yes. If you've frozen the goalkeeper, you've won. And that's the thing, right? Is if you can freeze the keeper and get it far enough away, it's unstoppable. Right. 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 Um, so is there anything else you guys want to talk about before we close out? What's your favorite boot of all time? Ooh, favorite boot. You know, I, I do love the Copa Mundial. I, just as far as a classic boot, and if anybody, if any football, and if anybody, I may have friends that aren't necessarily big football fans and don't want to spend too much money on a boot, I'd always recommend the Copa Mundial. Right. But I think of all time, if I had to go back. I think I actually did recommend the Copa Mundial just a few weeks ago yeah. to our friend Omar. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't listen to him. And it's the pro- no, but it's, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a good easy, It's sort of yeah. easy recommendation. Oh, yeah. it's actually, sure. It was the second recommendation for it that I got that week. Yeah. One from Josh, one from another friend. Exactly. Um, yeah, and... Uh, we have one in the studio right now. Yeah, just sitting, holding up the books over there. That tunit right there, holding up the other side of the books, one of my favorites, F50 Plus tunits. Which year um, was that? That was uh, that was one of the first years with the tunics, but they did the rechangeable studs. The yes. Changeable studs. I never changed the studs once, <laughs> but those were one of my favorites as well. But I think my all-time favorites that I owned, yeah, were probably like this is you choose this boot. You can have an unlimited supply of it. If it breaks, you can have a new one, but you can't wear another boot ever again. You know what? I probably go with those tunics. Those tunics. Yeah, they were the perfect combination of being light comfortable and like it was like a nice combination of like a modern and a classic boot but the one thing i will say is the boot i always wanted to have were those spider oh the the first f50s my my brother hashim had those my older brother white and black white and black the first season i played with your brother and they were and they were gorgeous i love those remember from the i don't know you got probably probably seen goal right so of course the the santiago santiago muñez store shoes um I always wanted those. And I, I remember even like years after, I was looking on eBay for them for a while. So, yeah. What about you, Josh? Um, well, I never wore these boots, but if I could have any boots forever, uh, probably the Predator Pulse. Good call. I was going to think say Predators as well. But... but the Pulse specifically. Right. The ones from the sort of 04 to 06 season. They had right. Them for two I think I had a white and gold pair of those, yeah. Right. Leading into the, the Zidane versions. Right. right. Beckham had the white and blue, and then he had the silver ones with the dragon on them. <laughs> and Kaká had the red and black ones that he won the Ballon d'Or with. Yeah. I think those, but I think a boot that I owned, to be a little more fair, probably the Tiempo Air Legend 2. Oh, nice boots, yeah. Yeah. Classics. Yeah, with the K leather and yeah, yeah I, I mean, think just, those are those are Costum's favorite boots. Yes, you had the gold and white ones. The R tens from the run of the Indians. The R tens, the, the white and gold. They were so or no gold and white. No white, white with the, with gold. the gold. The next season they did the inverse. Right, but I think those were a little more gaudy. I think the white with the gold was oh, like subtle nice. enough, but also flashy. Yeah, when your brother showed up to practice with those man, woo. Man, when my brother bought those, I was like, that was like, I think when I realized I loved football boots. Mm. I was just like, those are gorgeous. I wanted bad boots like that. Whatever. Yeah. I gotta say, it's the Premier 2s I just bought. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> I like the classic Predators, like the navy blue ones with, uh, with the white stripes. Those, nice. Those with the red fun. trim yeah. on the, on the those ankle? Are the ones. Yeah. Nice. Those are sick. Those are classics. I mean, the Predator line altogether, like what Definitely. they make now is kind of rubbish in my opinion for sure but i'd say i'd say predators were probably teams. like were probably going to be my runner-up but the only reason i picked the tunas was because they were so unique and they, yeah. they were so different than any other boot i wore and adidas hasn't really made anything cool exactly and, and, yeah exactly. i can't 
can't don't get me started on it. But Omar just got a pair of new boots. <laughs> yep. Nike Premier to Two. Oh, they look so sick. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna be fun kicking. For sure, it'll be uh, fun to be able to kick around when this uh, rain dies outside. Week long monsoon we have in Calgary. Yeah. Um. All right. Um. Anything else you guys want to add? Man, thank you for having us. Uh, it's a genuine pleasure. For sure. Hopefully, you guys will come back on soon. Absolutely. Can't wait. Can't wait to come back. It's yeah. Fun. Uh, hour and a half that just kind of flew by. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for being the first uh, guests on the inaugural show of Combos with Kamal. Make sure you tune in in two weeks for the next episode. We'll have another couple of amazing guests. And make sure you tune in to cmru.ca for a lot of other student-run material, podcasts, TV shows, news reports. All of that is available on cmru.ca by students for you. Thanks for listening.